This is the Winning Plays Podcast on the CLNS Media Network, the leading online provider for the NBA's winningest franchise. It is time for NBA Free Agency, and this is the Winning Plays Podcast. My name is Brian Robb, joined by Ryan Bernardoni, sitting in tonight for Rich Levine. And Ryan, we got... um, we have, it's going to be a, a pretty busy week across the NBA. It's already been a pretty busy lead up to free agency for the Celtics. Tristan Thompson is out the door in a deal that's not yet official. Um, we have Josh Richardson making his way into the Celtics in exchange for one of probably the shortest tenured offseason Celtics of all time and Moses Brown. Um, but all everyone wants to talk about right now is Evan Fournier's future and some potential crazy sign trade options. So, uh, I guess we'll, let's start with what they've done first. So this, this doesn't get dated right away. What do we, I, I'd say thumbs up, two thumbs up for what Brad Stevens has done so far, getting out of Tristan, uh, getting in a, a decent backup plan for Fournier and pretty much cleaning up Danny Ainge's mess uh, from the last year or two. Yeah, I think if you start from where they started, it's been okay. Uh, Richardson's kind of an interesting fit, maybe not perfect, but what are you going to do? Right. Like you got to work with the, with the, uh, the tools you have. And so I think it's fine there. I think maybe there's uh, one interesting thing left out there, which is, as you said, the Tristan Thompson trade isn't actually official yet. Um, and the only reason that you could really see that they wouldn't be official yet is at the end of the trade, they'll be creating a Tristan Thompson trade exception, but for the moment they could actually take Tristan Thompson plus 175% of Tristan Thompson. Right. And like, sure. um, they could take a larger salary in right now than, than of the eventual TPE. So of course, you know, you can come up with any list of players that are sort of in that $10, $12 million range um, and say maybe they're trying to get that player and roll it into a, a larger trade before they just accept the trade exception and then try to figure out what's going on. So there's some possibility that in the next couple of hours, there will be, you know, maybe while we're doing this, there could be some news that breaks. It doesn't seem like there's anything imminent, but some of this, this other, these other things didn't, you know, kind of came out of left field, even, even if you could look at the timing on like when the exceptions expired and say, oh, well, maybe they're going to do something. Um, but the fact that they haven't made it official yet, as far as I know, right? Like, no, um, no, nothing's out. And there, yeah, there like, may be something that's that's still out there that that we don't see. Um, right. But and I guess the, that technically, too, that the Tice okay. the Tice exception is there for them if they want to wait to see if anything develops in the next couple weeks. But I would think that one way or another, you don't want to. You'd like to keep that in your back pocket if you can. If you don't have, I would think by now they should be able to explore all avenues tonight, one way or another, and know whether there's something out there for them where they just can make the deal official before the new league year starts uh yeah there's also kemba's trade right. option as well right that yeah um, there's a couple of them that they, they could do a little bit with there and and sort of shift stuff around so that's also possible and and then if you did wait until the new league year you would create a slightly larger trade exception mm. uh, for you know tristan thompson's salary next season which i had at one point i was looking at my phone because i was doing this all on my phone and tiny little things and i was like wait is his i think his trade exception is big enough to get my favorite target, Larry Nansen. And that's not correct, but his trade exception, if you waited until the new league season, would then grow just enough where you could fit later on that line. Um, not that I think that's actually going to happen. I think the problem with those things is that they are now in some manner or still in some manner, maybe committed to like trying to pursue somebody bigger, Beal or somebody else. And so if you have to trade picks, right. this, you're trading future picks, which means that you're encumbering future picks, which means that you're limiting to what you can actually be able to trade down the line. And the sort of opportunity cost of doing that is probably greater than what you get uh, out of picking up those specific players. So if you could do that trade and get somebody into that for 
Romeo Langford or, you know, somebody like players who are on the roster now or second round picks, something like that, then that might be one thing. But in terms of trading future picks, that kind of causes some other, you know, concerns about what they might be trying to do in the longer term. So, um, but yeah, so is, it's unknown it, at this point. Right? It's just not done. So we're not sure exactly what's happening. Right. So do we think it's safe to say if, if they are, if a big fish is still in their sights this offseason and everything they've done this offseason indicates that's a yes, because they're bringing all these expiring deals, like just provide maximum flexibility, whether it's, you know, pursuing someone by a trade, the more likely path, or if they do want to go nuts and like, you know, create an open max cap room for Beal or maybe a, you know, a less experienced max free agent next offseason. Again, that's, that's a whole big mess we'll get into down the line. It's probably not the right path because you're giving up a lot to be able to do that in the first place. But like you said, giving up any first round capital now, if that's what's going to be your package down the line, you're probably going to take yourself out of any shot you have at landing these guys. If you're, you know, moving a first round pick for Nance Jr. or whoever. Yeah. Particularly now, like it's feasible that by, you know, the trade deadline, one of the young players will have broken out in a way that they're viewed sort of like Tyler hero was at, you know, at one point, maybe not so much now, but coming out of the, the bubble where you're saying like, oh, okay, you know, Aaron Neesmith is like an important part of a trade package, sort of how uh, Al Jefferson became the central part of the Kevin Garnett trade. Like it's feasible that that could happen. I don't expect there to be that significant of a breakout, but it's not, you know, it, it's happened before. Second year players, third year players can have, can take big steps forward and sort of change your calculus on that. It'll be a welcome change. Um, but yeah, at the moment, if you're thinking that you're basically saying like all of the picks is the only path you have to getting into a good player, it is really hard to trade one right now for, for that kind of upgrade. Um, particularly because I don't think anybody thinks this is like a title team right now. Right. So right. what are you doing there? Right. Um, if it happens, you know, it's possibility. Um, it wouldn't like stun me, but it just sort of feels like it would be a little short-sighted at the moment. Even for all that I've been talking about, they should go after Larry Nance. They should go after Maxi Kleber. They should go after players like that. Uh, just realistically, you know, in the kind of, cold light of day it's like and eh, maybe you actually shouldn't <laughs> <laughs> so all right let's look let's start with the i think the biggest domino here in terms of current free agents and that's evan fournier and the the riding was somewhat on the raw already when josh richardson was taken in for the the what's left of the gordon hayward tp on saturday um richardson coming off a down year the mavericks are looking up to open up a lot of cap space themselves. So they like wanted to take care of them. The Celtics, you know, threw them Moses Brown because why not? And it's, you know, maybe they, I, I don't even know if that was sweetener or just some getting off of whatever. It wasn't real sweetener. It's like getting off the, whatever guaranteed money was there. Yeah. Right. Which is, they, they which could be helpful. I think they had guaranteed $500,000 in order to make the math work on the Horford trade. Right. So it was basically right. like, we're getting off you know, the Celtics getting off $500,000. Um, Bruno Fernando, I guess, replaces him as the, right. <laughs> the no, no, no. Young, sort of unknown, unknown center. But I think also they had to send something back. And so it was like, right. We could send you back one of these fake seconds or, or get off 500,000. We can make you pay $500,000. I think is what happened. And Celtics fans were upset. Let me tell you that the 2020 Moses Brown put up uh, last March, whatever was on people's minds. I had people tweeting me, Ryan, you know, Hey, don't even that's the Celtics lost this deal, which is pretty funny. But actually, I mean, Richardson, to me, this is a this kind of gets back to the 2013, 2014, 2015 roots of the Celtics just taking flyers on guys that um, to rehab value. And I, I liked Rich. I mean, Richardson's far from a perfect player, but he was a real problem for the Celtics back in his days in the heat. And even like the Sixers, that team obviously wasn't a good fit a year ago, but um, 
he can, you know, he's a decent three point shooter. He can get to the rim. And he's a great defender um, and a versatile one at that. So I, I kind of like buying low here on him. And, you know, again, as a, in the mindset of this is potentially a bridge year here and maybe you'll keep him, maybe you don't. It'll be interesting to see how they use him um, because obviously when he played at his best in Miami, he was a little bit more on ball than uh, he's not really a point guard, but he was, you know, he's more of a sort of perimeter creator right. uh, than he was able to be in uh, particularly in, in Philadelphia. Uh, and so you sort of think he's probably not the best fit in the starting lineup, but as, as a six man, particularly if they go to units where um, Jalen is the sort of star on the second unit, or I guess they don't have three stars anymore. So you can't do the sort of two and one, but if it's like, if, you, if you're on a bench rotation where, and they will have to be where Jalen is, is the best player uh, or where you don't have either of the Jays on the floor, then I think his ability to be sort of a, you know, he's not a super efficient player, but to be a, a shot creator who can also defend uh, is useful. He's also, I know he didn't, he just went through a playoffs where he got DNP. So you can't say that he's definitely a playoff player, but like, he can play both ways. He can dribble. He's not a great shooter, but he can shoot. Uh, so you do, he does look like a playoff player. He's also a little bit bigger and a little bit younger than I think people realize a little bit like Fournier and that he's, a, you know, sort of, he's like six, six, I think, yeah. even though it sort of looks when he, you watch him play and you think maybe he's like six, four, a little bit bigger than that. He's only 28, something like that. He's, he's not 30 yet. So a little bit younger and a little bit bigger than, like I said, than, than I think some people realize. So I think it's a worthwhile you know, a worthwhile use of that TPE, even if he's not like the exact perfect player who you could, could imagine. He's certainly an upgrade on, on what they've had. Uh, and he also had and COVID last year too, which I think impacted yeah. a lot. Like, and he had a, like a long spell of being out there. So that like, you look, I mean, there's so many guys last year that dealt with that, that you kind of not clean slate what they did last year, but it's take off a very big grain of salt. Let's hear from our sponsor, Bet Online, which is the fastest and easiest way to bet on your, all your sports action we know baseball season's in full swing right now. They just got out of the all-star break, but you can get odds on that. NBA off-season stuff, NHL, UFC, real-time updated odds and props, almost anything you can imagine. So before things get going, we know you want to make some summer league bets, Rich, too. So before you oh, do cool. that, yeah. head on over to Bet Online on your laptop or mobile device and take advantage of the 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Don't sit on the sidelines. You can use the promo code CLNS50 to receive a 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. It's Bet Online, your online sports experts. Transfer to M40 now. It's a pretty good backup plan for M40 if uh, you don't want to give him four years, $80 million. And uh, there's been plenty of, plenty of scuttlebutt about the Knicks being players here. The Spurs, for some reason, have been connected to him as well as the suitors. Again, this is... I do think someone's eventually going to get squeezed out of this, you know, the getting real money in this free agent market, but Fournier appears to have enough suitors lined up right now where the Celtics are potentially just going to back away from the table and say, you know, it was a fun two months, but we're, uh, we're not going to give you, we're not going to encumber ourselves long-term by giving you too much money. It was not a fun two months. It was, <laughs> it was not. very difficult two months. No, not again, you know, COVID things. Like it's not his fault. No. Um, by all, like he got or had a really terrible bout with COVID. Uh, one of, I think the worst ones, he had the second or third longest uh, absence, just pure absence. You had players like Tatum who weren't gone that long, but then had long periods where they were dealing with, with the after effects. He had a long absence and then a long period where he was dealing with the effects. And so it's not his fault at all. No. Um, but yeah, it was, it was difficult. And, and I agree that, 
like he's a good player. This has always been the point is that it's not that he's not a good player. I don't think he was the right fit for the Celtics. I don't think his contract was right for this, for where the Celtics were. And I feared that he would get paid a bunch of money because he's a good player and he plays a position that teams really desperately need. And anybody who sits and watches the playoffs goes, Oh yeah, six, seven wings who can, you know, dribble and shoot. They're useful. They can play there. Sort of like what I just said about Josh Richardson. So like, it doesn't surprise me that he's getting paid. It doesn't surprise me that he's getting paid more than the Celtics want to pay him. Again, we have talked about this since they made the trade about how that was always the concern. Uh, and eventually if they did pay him that everything that they're doing now looks like we've been sort of right all along that this is a team that has a budget that's not enormous. And if they were paying him $20 million a year, it was probably going to cost you Marcus Smart down the line or that you weren't going to be able to extend Robert Williams. It's like you have to make these decisions and, and maybe Smart and Williams aren't long for the team anyway, whether or not, you know, at some point we want to talk about this whole Lonzo thing that doesn't make a ton of sense to me, but you know, that type yeah. of thing that's out there, or as you said, if they go to max cap space and to, to go after a Bradley Beal, then those guys would be off the team anyway. But like, so would Fournier, hey, and, you know, in the same, same sort of way, you'd have to find a way to move him. Um, so they, you can't fit all of these guys long-term. And if you have to make those decisions, then paying that much to Fournier, I don't think is the best use of those resources. So I have no problem with them walking away. And I think that Richardson is a totally fine pivot off of it. But again, that's always been the problem with the trade. <laughs> um, so, which, it, you, I, which you lined out, we'll, we'll replay the tape of, of Ryan going scorched earth against the trade wouldn't have it. And again, this is, and hitting the nail on the head, looking at where they are now. Yep. This is a situation where not only did they put themselves in the spot where, yeah, they got the short-term burst boost, but obviously once Jalen went out that everything about last season became semi-pointless heading into the playoffs. And then you also took a huge chunk of your TPE that would have been better used in a trade a couple months later with uh, Al Horford being able to fit into that um, if they had that wide open, as you pointed out back in March. Well, the really frustrating thing there is that Danny Ainge knew this, right? He talked about it leading up to the trade deadline. We talked about him talking about it leading up to the trade deadline about how yeah. going after that type of player on an expiring contract was not what they wanted to do. And then they got down to the very end and they were like, well, it's two second round picks and maybe he's on his way out the door anyway. And it's like, all right, well, I guess we'll just go ahead and take it. What, you know, what's the worst that could happen. And then like, well, the worst that could happen is he gets COVID. He loses the first round. He leaves in free. And Jalen Brown gets hurt. <laughs> Jalen Brown gets hurt. And then you make the exact trade that would have let you create a gigantic Kemba Walker TPE. And it's like, oh, well, that's not great. <laughs> um, so again, like, it's just frustrating that, that it was, and none of these things are like definitely known, right? It was feasible no. that they would get into the off season and that the market wouldn't be there for him and he would get offered 13, and we don't know if it's there. I'm still not design. sold on that right now. Like what, what would, it's, it's what do you think a fair number for Fournier is right? Like what would you feel comfortable bringing him back right now? Like, yeah, I five. mean, when they, when they made the trade, I think I said, if it was like three forty-five, then I'd be like, all right, that's probably about what he's worth. Um, and again, the problem there is that you probably are not getting any like surplus value, but in terms of making the math work, I think that would be, you could sort of get it all there as long as your budget is sort of 12 to 15 million over the luxury tax line instead of 10. And it might be that it's actually like six or seven and the, you know, they're willing to hard cap themselves because they know that's their budget anyway, or less than that. We really don't know. Uh, but I think that's sort of the number that would be like reasonable. And even that's like, you know, again, you're probably paying full, you're paying, I think what his production would, would be worth. Once you get up to 20, it's like, I, I doubt that he will produce in line with that. No. It's not impossible, right? He could go to the Knicks where they desperately need his sort of skills and and look really good on a playoff team and and make this all seem silly. 
Um, we've gone through that before, right? Gordon Hayward, when he was healthy last year, looked like it was everybody had sort of made fun of that contract. And then he was started out the season really well. And you're like, oh, maybe that's not such a terrible deal. And then he gets hurt and everybody realizes why it was a bad deal. But um, it's possible that he'll be worth it. I just don't think it's likely that he'll be worth it, particularly on this team with this budget and the rest of the players that they have on it. Right. Because, I mean, at this point, as you Fournier and Smart, I don't think are going to be like one of those two guys won't be here next season once Richardson comes in the door and knowing what the long-term financial ramifications are um, and what the budget limitations probably are this year. So that it's a, a backup plan for both. Again, if he leaves themselves open, if, if Fournier goes out there, if, if the Knicks and, you know, the Mavericks and everyone kind of gets their guy that they want, that's not Fournier, then Fournier might have to come back with his tail between his legs to the Celtics to sign, or at least figure out a sign and trade where the Celtics may net something out of it. If, He's going to a team that, you know, doesn't have cap room. Um, but again, it for now, it seems like someone's going to step up to the plate and give him what he wants or maybe. But I, I still am semi-skeptical of that, even though he's clearly not hurting his cause with his play in the Olympics so far. And the Celtics may go out and pay more second round picks to make another trade exception. I don't, I don't really know what the value of it is if they're up against the budget right now. Right. Uh, but it's possible they could and that that could somehow turn into something. I don't know. You, and you can have this exact same conversation around Josh Richardson. You can say, if he has a good season next year, then the year after that, he and smart likely won't be on the team. Right? You right. won't <laughs> likely won't be able to have both of them on the team. Yeah. Now he may go out and have a sort of useful, but underwhelming year and sort of settle in at being a $10 million player, or a, a MLE sort of price player where they, they can bring him back. But if he goes out and plays really well and wins six man of the year, which is not out of the question, like if he goes back to playing the way that he did in Miami, then he absolutely could be that. Uh, then he might become a player who makes the amount of money that you then can't fit in the budget with both he and smart, even if you aren't doing anything like Beal related. So you could have that conversation again. You just keep rolling and rolling and rolling. And there is a, a time horizon, all these things, right? Like the reason the player that I wanted them to go and trade for was somebody who had two or three years left on their deal. And in some ways they are sort of making this like synthetic player of, you know, Evan Fournier, Josh Richardson, Evan Richardson, who gives you a year and a half. Uh, so it's in that case, it's, Again, not the end of the world. There are worse ways that this whole thing could have played out. It's just not a good way that it's played out, right? It's a C minus instead of a, an F maybe with Richardson coming in, in total. Um, but, and, and again, those same time things would have happened, right? If they traded for Aaron Gordon, then after Aaron Gordon's contract ran out, you'd have the exact same conversation about you can't fit all these guys in, in your budget. And that is sort of a, a cap that the team just runs into. That's like, unless ownership is willing to spend a lot more than they've indicated, it's hard to put together a team that has either two max players and then a whole bunch of other relatively well-paid players or a team with three max players and a really good, you know, a good rest of the roster around it. At some point you just have to like break that ceiling and say like, you're going to have to spend more money. Uh, or you have to wait a couple of years until the new TV deal kicks in and we sort of get out of the COVID smoothing and all that. And, and that relieves some of the pressure as well, but that might be too late in terms of trying to get Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown to be happy about being Celtics, right? Like, um, all that stuff is sort of coming to a head right now between the Fournier trade and now him leaving and Richardson coming in and what's going to happen next is all sort of tied to that of like, if you can't spend, then you can't improve. Right. And so for this year, I can see the case for ownership looking at this team and being like, there's really nothing we can do in the present to make this team a true contender. So why are we going to spend a lot of money this year over the tax? Like, and, but again, under the assumption that they're going to actually use it in like in 2022, 2023, because that's the time where 
you know, like you said, the yeah. clock's ticking on both those guys. You can't hold on to it forever. They've been kind of pushing it off forever, and that's pushing it off for so long in the first place with, you know, the, the last two or three years left them with a whole lot of nothing and be on the downturn. Um, yeah. So they're going to have to, again, make that pivot at some point. But I can see this whole offseason kind of being, okay, let's maybe cut some money, consolidate some assets, try to rehab some value of our young guys, you know, make a good run at it, but know that we're not going to, like, push any chips to the middle, but also position ourselves to, to make that next big splash, whether it's Beal or, you know, player X that we don't know about yet. Yeah. I mean, I, <laughs> so I disagree with that in, in that sort of specific way, which is that I've seen too many teams in too many markets do that and have that become the excuse, have that become the cycle that you're in. Yeah. How do you ever get to the next step? If your opinion of it is always like, well, it's not worth taking a step forward because it's not the final step you have to, take steps along the way to move yourself there. It's really hard to be five steps away and then take a big leap, right? It happens, but it's better if you're in a position where it's like, we need to get a Drew Holiday and we're going to go push all of our chips and get Drew Holiday. But like Drew Holiday is not adding Kevin Garnett, right? Like you, you have to get there by making other moves along the way and being willing to do certain certain things. And, and they are on a budget too. Like I'm not saying that the Celtics, you know, that, that Milwaukee went out and spent billions of dollars or anything like that. But like the point is you do need to be constantly moving forward. And we've seen teams like, you know, Portland and, and Chicago and others that are sort of always in that position of like, it's not worth spending now. And then you get to next year and it's not worth spending then. And it's not worth spending two years down the line because you never got to the point where it was worth spending because you never spent. Right. Um, so that's my concern is that it becomes a, a, a self-fulfilling prophecy. That's fair. And I think we saw that being a huge issue, you know, in the past two or three years before this, uh, when they never, again, pushed draft capital or just other things towards the middle of the table when they had the talent in place or, or simply got a change, change of scenery uh, when it was needed in a couple of those years. Um, all right, but let's, um, the other thing, I wrote about a bit, this a bit on Mass Live. It's, you know, there's been some buzz about it since Shams reported it last week that Lonzo Ball, of all people, is on the Celtics radar. Uh, for a while, this looked like a complete pipe dream um, because of the complications with base year compensation and the sign trade scenarios. There's a whole lot of things that had to go right, and it didn't make any sense for Celtics to do it all. But now, a few of those things are falling into place with Fournier looking like it might be out the door. The Celtics are already cutting some payroll, and the Pelicans may be having their eye on some other point guards and be okay with moving on for Lonzo for you know what would be essentially a close to a straight up trade for Marcus smart for it to happen. We know you do not want to do this trade, Ryan, but is there a case to be made for it? Um, knowing the Celtics would have to, again, do a lot of things around the edges and conceivably have to give up some flexibility in going after making that, like you said, that, that final push for uh, a contending right away. If they take on a contract, like, like ball probably will, will command. Well, so I guess the first thing that we can, can throw out there is the player that the Pelicans seemingly want to go after is Lowry. And, and Woj, as we're doing this, is walking really close to the line of saying that he's going to Miami right. <laughs> uh, in a pre-arranged sign-in trade that isn't actually legal and that got nixed by the league last year for the Bucs. Um, so we'll see how that all plays out. But it's it's possible that New Orleans will be in a less interested position in terms of letting, letting Lonzo go uh, than we sort of have assumed over the last day or so. Um, but it's right. So like 
it comes down to how good you think Lonzo Ball and how good you think Marcus Smart is. And I think Marcus Smart is quite good and I really like him and I'm a fan of the team and I'm a fan of Marcus Smart. And so I don't want them to trade him. And so that's a big part of it for me. It's just like, I'm not Brad Stevens. I don't have to make that decision in, in that way. Uh, and I think Lonzo is good, but do I think he's like a game changing good player? Uh, no. Do I think that he like fits some amazing role that the team needs to fill? Not really. Uh, they certainly need better passers, but I think you can get there in, in other ways that, um, that aren't just like adding that sort of particular type of, of player that, that Lonzo is. And again, he's, we can talk about this. He's not like a half court point guard. He's just not, that's not what he is. He's not Ray Sean Rondo. Uh, but he's a good passer and, and an interesting player. And to me, a lot of it sort of, I was talking about it today, like sort of what's missed is that it, there are at least reports out there that Marcus wants to sign an extension. And we know what that extension would be because he's capped at 20% of what he's making now, or we know what the maximum that it could be is. And that's about $3 million less than we're thinking that Lonzo Ball would get over the same course of four years. So like, which of those would you rather have Marcus for, you know, averaging 18 million or 19 million or in the end, I guess it'd be like 18 um, or, or Lonzo at 21, 22, something like that. And I just personally would prefer smart. And also you don't have to deal with things like the hard cap in case other opportunities come in down the line, you don't have to trade any other things out. Now, if you take budget out of the question, which in this case you can't do because you get hard capped. Um, and and I, I mean, you'd have to make it work anyway, but like if you could do it for Josh Richardson and Chris Dunn and Romeo Langford, would you do it? You don't have to give up smart uh, and you don't care about the budget long-term. So you can then also extend smart and, and Robert Williams. Then you just don't think you're getting into the Beal game and free agency anyway. So who really cares? Like right. that's more, thing to me but in terms of the like oh, we're gonna sign him for 21 22 million dollars and then we're gonna give marcus smart to new orleans and then he's gonna sign an extension for starting at 17 like it just doesn't seem like a good trade to me uh, but i don't know I, you seem i know there are I, other people in particularly within i know there's a lot of people you and forsberg and others sort of like lonzo more than i do so like what do you see i, I don't like so like forsberg really like oh, i thought him. you did okay no i've like i'm lukewarm but then i look at it like i look at you know, I kind of looked at his numbers more in depth. I mean, like, you know, he rebounds, which is good, obviously. His turnover rate is is too high for a point guard. But the shooting has gotten a lot better. But like you said, he's not a great half-court guy there. I do, I mean, I do like the fit. I think, obviously, he's a better point guard than Marcus Smart. Marcus Smart is... I don't think he is. You don't think he is? I don't think he is. No, not anymore. I think that the idea of Lonzo, he's a better transition point guard. He's a wonderful transition point guard, yeah. but he's not... Like, I have a... a set of friends who are all Pelicans fans. And like, their point is that he's not a half court point guard at all. He just isn't like, he can't shoot off the dribble because he has this weird release right. and nobody respects his shot. And he can't really run half court pick and roll. And he doesn't get to the rim. And like, he doesn't actually run an offense. He's this sort of connective three and D player in half court and a really interesting, you know, transition uh, point guard. But like, they still tell you like, he's, he's a wing. He's not a half court point guard. Does he have better shot awareness than Marcus Murray? He's a catch and shoot player now, right? He's, yes. a, he's a six foot seven, three and D, sort of three and D plus player, which is a, again a very useful thing. Um, but he's not, and he's an off ball defender. So Smart is more versatile. I think they're both good defenders. Smart's sort of a more versatile defender. You can put him on ball more. Although Smart's not like, you know, he's not going to do what Drew Holiday did in, in the finals, where he's yeah. pounding Chris Paul, you know, full court stuff like that at, at this point, I think. But um, and his defense did take a step back last year. Like, and I don't know. Mark, oh yeah, for sure. Yeah. So like that, I, that is somewhat concerned given how much he gets hurt and stuff like that. Like, 
I mean, he he still is in his prime, but you you were you wonder if that's just a blip on the radar, or again with his limitations offensively, if that could you know, do you want to pay his next contract? I'm not totally sold. I don't know if I want to pay Lonzo's bond next contract. I don't know if I want to pay Marcus Smart's next contract. I'm more willing to play Smart's, but again, I I like Marcus Smart because, but I I know exactly what the dollars are right now, and maybe I know what again I know what the cap on it is. If you if he wants to sign an extension which by many indications he does want to sign an extension and his agent knows what the cap on his extension is. He didn't make all NBA. It's not like we're talking about Supermax here. It's 20% more than he makes right now in his first season and then raises. And it's like, is he going to be worth that? There's some concern there about COVID cap, you know, the cap staying at 3% growth and him making 8% growth and, and things like that. Like it's not ideal. Could you get him for a little bit less than his max? I don't know, but maybe, um, but it's a little bit like Fournier where like you're signing guys who you're going in saying, I think I'm getting fair value for their production or fair market value. These aren't guys who you're signing for $10 million and you're sort of like in the background, you know, thinking, Oh, he's going to be a $25 million player as soon as we get him on the floor for to start. It's not the Robert Williams conversation where there's like a whole bunch of growth where if you can get him for, for a certain number, then it may turn out that he's worth a lot more than that. I think we know kind of what all these guys are worth and they're a, I, I worry that ball isn't actually worth $22 million a year or whatever he's going to get, but yeah. And I'm skeptical like he'll get that so too, wild. by the way. Um, like, if it's a sign and trade, he'll get it because in sign and trades, you always overpay. Right. Um, and he's a restricted free agent sign and trade. Cause if he gets what he's, you know, if, if he tries to sign for 18 million, then New Orleans is going to match it, particularly if Lowry's going to Miami. Right. Right. If it depends what the Pel- if the Pelicans are moving on, then like if, if they can match and then any other teams just afraid to give him an offer sheet, then he's probably gonna be a lower number. Yeah. So I don't know, but again, all those guys are sort of playing and playing in the game. And, and, and if it all comes down to that as a fan, I would rather just keep the guy who I'm a fan of already um, and who I know can, can play and I know what role he's going to fit and all that. And obviously it's going to be a different team this year with a different head coach, but um, still, I think there's something to be said for continuity and, and all that. So I just, it doesn't interest me. I don't know. It doesn't seem to be a step forward to me. It's just sort of a, a step sideways yeah it's like a change of scenery situation it's like if yeah if there is something going on not not blind scene, but like if if tatum and brown like you know we we know that they've i don't think they've had real runs over the year we've known there there's been you know tension at times with with smart and so if they if they're good like yeah like if they green light yeah brad give him that extension we're you know we we know what smart is we trust him and we're you know we can figure this out once we have the right other pieces around us, then fine. I'm okay, giving that extension. But if they're, if it's not, and it's like, Hey, you know, we've, we're not crazy about, you know, you locking up long-term here, if it, you know, would encumber a potential other big, big move, then I would, I would just hold the line. Like I wouldn't try to get Lonzo, but I wouldn't give smart the extension now either. Well, and that's the other thing. Like I'm talking about in comparison of the assumption that Lonzo's coming in. If, if you want to play in the Beal market as a free agent, then, then it's just not possible. Like you can't really bring Lonzo in because you would then would have to trade him out and you're, there's an injury risk there. There's the risk that some team would just hold you over barrel and you would have to give up a whole number of picks or something like that. Like, I don't think that it would be intelligent planning if you're trying to play for free agency next year to go out and sign Lonzo ball for four years or to extend Marcus Smart. I'm just saying like the assumption being that a Lonzo contract would be four years. So if the comparison is apples to apples, then I would prefer that. If you're if you want to stay in the Beal free agent game, then you you can't do either of them. You also can't extend Robert Williams 
uh, which is a conversation that um, is for another month because you're, you know, another couple of months down the line, but uh, all sort of plays into the longer term planning of the team in terms of who they want to be targeting in trades or signings or how many years are going to go on different guys. Um, that also is a factor. All right, let's wrap this up with a quick lightning round. Um, Adam Hillsbach of the Globe had a, a long list of names the Celtics are potentially interested in heading into free agent that we have not mentioned tonight. Uh, some of these guys have already been been out there. Patty Mills, uh, a popular one, Rudy Gay. And the rest of the names appear to just to be a Celtics reunion tour under Brad Stevens. Uh, Avery Bradley, Kelly Olenek, um, Jeff Green, um, I believe. And I'm just getting breaking news, Ryan. Gershon, you have yeah, a is on here and Ante Zuzic also in the mix to be brought back. Your, your thoughts? Avery Bradley, I have no interest in. Um, there's off-court things that I just, it's just stay away. Uh, yeah. I don't think he's a good player on the court either, but even if he were. Well, if you I have Chris Dunn, if, I mean, I don't know what they're going to do with Chris Dunn. They might, we even yeah, talked I mean, about him. He might be, he might be here. He might not be here. Uh, but yeah, sure. you definitely don't need Avery Bradley if you're going to keep Chris Dunn. No, no, for sure. But even if, uh, even take all that away, I, there's just things in there that I, I don't want the team to be involved with. Um, and then you get into the other ones and it's like, Patty Mills has been a popular talking point. I don't actually know what, what exactly his role would be, particularly if you already have Josh Richardson coming in, who we just sort of talked about how you need to have, have the ball in his hands a little bit. Um, and you've got some other players who are interesting and th- this is just not really the position where I see them needing to spend the resources. Uh, and the position I need to I see them needing to spend the resources, as we have been talking about for quite a long time now, is they need somebody who can def- you know, defend big wings. And Jeff Green is not going to be able to do that well, but <laughs> um, the coaching staff will give him that role in lieu of giving it to Jason or Jalen. And like Jason and Jalen cannot guard that, you know, those sort of like primary wing scorers every game all season long and run the offense for the entire game, right? Like you just can't ask them to lift that much and expect them to be in a good shape when they get to the playoffs. You can ask them to do that job for the fourth quarter of any important playoff game because they're capable of doing it. It's just, you can't lift that weight for the entire season. And so again, Jeff Green can't do the job well, but like they will deploy him in that role in a way that they won't put Romeo Langford out there as the primary defender in that, because they're going to look at it and go, Oh, you're four inches too small. And so they just won't ever, they won't do it. Um, so if you can get Jeff Green or Rudy Gay or PJ Tucker, or I think everybody assumes that Nick Batum um, is already sort of ticketed to, uh, somewhere in LA, I assume the Clippers. Um, and there's some other players sort of in that size who, who maybe are higher profile guys are going to, and PJ Tucker might be one of them who ends up just going back to, to Milwaukee, but like they need somebody to fill that role as that primary defensive guy. Just, right, he, it's a middle reliever. You're, you're in, you're an innings eater. Who's going to put up a five ERA and you're not going to pitch in the playoffs. That's what the team needs to be spending some of these resources on just to save, you know, to save, the legs of, of their other guys and and the, I, the good thing is the front office knows this right they said this in their press conference they're like we're going to take steps in order to make life make life easier for our wings and it's like that's the way you do it the way you make life easier for them is you don't make them guard lebron james every time you run into them for 48 minutes you know what they should have done last year is just taking batum for hayward straight up and get gotten some <laughs> draft assets out of it um and but that uh that did not happen to pay that luxury tax bill they, 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 you could have you would cut the you could have cut some parts elsewhere. You could have dumped some other salary to make that work and maybe picked up some draft, you know, the draft capital along the way. 
uh, to take that contract back and then save the Hornets from stretching it, which is going to be hampering them for years to come. But um, yeah, but then they wouldn't have got those eight games out of Evan Fournier. I mean, right, exactly. You, you then you close the door on the, the Evan Fournier era, which uh, would have been uh, a disaster as is. Um, yeah, this is. It's funny though because all these names, you look at all these names, and it's like you can maybe sign one of these names because none of these guys are going to take the minimum. And I, I guess you can. <laughs> I guess you can maybe divide up the taxpayer mid-level. I mean, who knows? I guess you could use the full mid-level if you're going to let Fournier walk and not bring anything else in. They don't um, have roster spots either. But yeah, roster spots is a... Not for now, but they, they can create them pretty. I mean... Can they? Cars, <laughs> I mean, they got an extra second round to. pick. They got like, an extra second round pick to, to do it. I don't know. But they want to use it. Sure, yeah, that's true. But I think they tried to maybe include Carson Edwards. Oh, I'm the, sure they did. To, to Dallas. Um, and instead had to settle on Moses Brown. But... Yeah, I mean, they can, but they, even now they've got 14 guys on the roster. Um, is it either 14 or 15? I don't know. Yeah, I have to go back and count, including if you include Jabari Parker, but they don't have space to take like a whole bunch of guys for sure. No, they do not. So that is, again, as this week plays out, free agent targets, consulting some pieces of the roster, um, and obviously bouncing some pie in the sky, sign and trade scenarios. Um, and the future of Marcus Smart, whether it's an extension or standing pat or moving him because you don't want to move any future draft capital. So that's your best movable chip on the roster. Um, so it is, I mean, that to me this week, that's the, 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 the odds on favorite is that Fournier just walks and Smart is back as is. But if, if for some reason Fournier is available at a number that's reasonable, then, then things get really interesting as this week continues, I feel like Ryan. Yeah, and we made it through without any Tristan Thompson trade expansion news. So, oh, I'll uh, break once I post this. And, yeah, we got 45 minutes. Right. They got so two hours to get it. Right. Two hours in. <laughs> so this is 10 p.m. as we're finishing this up on Sunday night. So stay tuned for uh, the, the addendum um, in 15 minutes. <laughs> uh, all right. Ryan, thank you as always. Take care. You, you, you sound great for cold, man. So yeah, just keep this cold. Really good, really good pipes while battling a cold over there. So I hope it didn't... Uh, Cause too much strain on the voice over there. I got, I got my ginger ale. I'll survive. Yeah. Uh, all right. We should be back. Enjoy free agency. I'm sure yes. I'll be writing every 25 minutes for the oh, next couple of days. Um, but did you see when Team that. USA game is tomorrow night? Are you going to you gonna be up for the 1240 a.m. start? <laughs> Seriously? Yes. Uh, no. Okay. Well, yeah, that'll be good. I'll be going straight from free agency at 6 p.m. Uh, right into the 1240 a.m. Uh, USA start. So uh, thanks. Thanks a lot. Stay up for, I don't know if I'm going to stay up for free agency at 6 p.m. Maybe out by 530. <laughs> I'm going to call you up and get you on the horn. Uh, all right. Ram Rinoni, follow him at Danger Cart, as always. Uh, and hopefully we'll be back uh, later this week once the dust settles to see uh, what Brad Stevens, Mike Zarin, and company have up their sleeve uh, heading into what should be a very interesting week one way or another. <laughs>